Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. Hey, Discovery Church, I hope you're well. Uh, my name is Ken McIntyre. I was with you last year, which was a blast. Um, and I'm thankful that Pastor Lauren and Pastor Sean Lee asked me to come uh, speak to their people today. And uh, Pastor Lauren and Sean Lee are great friends of uh, mine and my wife, Kim. Um, but they're great pastors too. So Discovery Church, you guys are blessed to have them um, leading, leading that church. Uh, today, I want to share a message that's been uh, resonating in my heart and mind for the last couple of weeks. And I just really hope that it's helpful. I've noticed sort of a phenomenon lately. It's this trend that is sweeping the world, or at least in my small, immediate friend circle. And now I have no evidence to support this, okay? I haven't read anything. There's no data on this. This is totally anecdotal. So, you know, take it as you will. But here it is. What is with people and their plants, all right? It seems as if, at least in my world, that there's this concentrated amount of love all of a sudden, out of nowhere, towards plants. Two or three years ago, not a topic of conversation. Now my, my Instagram feed is filled with plant, plant pictures. People are naming their plants. I was even part of a plant swapping initiative where we propagated one plant and we dropped it off at a stranger's house and they gave me a plant. Like, if you don't think this is a thing, this is a thing. If you know what I'm talking about, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Now I'll speak directly to my own situation, but two or three years ago, I don't even think we had a plant in our home. You know, we might have had like a fake one from Ikea or maybe someone who gave us a plant that, you know, was dead and kind of on our living room shelf or something like that. But now all of a sudden, we have so many plants in our home. We have multiple types of uh, snake plants and Diffenbachias and Boston ferns and, and, oh man, I don't even know. There's so many different kinds. There's ZZ plants and, and philodendrons and we're even growing our own avocado tree. Okay, we like have so many plants in our house. And right now I'm rewatching Lost. Um, if you're not familiar what um, Lost is, it's like, it's a show uh, at the beginning of the 2000s that like this American mystery drama show that was filmed in, in Hawaii. And all the shots are just green and lush and it's beautiful. But when I watch that show and then I turn it off and I look around my house, I feel like I'm still in the show. Like it's just, there's plants absolutely everywhere. Now, when my wife first started getting into plants, uh, it was kind of fun. Like it was a hobby and it was kind of cute. But I don't know where things kind of took a turn. And all of a sudden you're like, this is sort of overtaking our life. But now I, I got to admit that I actually kind of, I kind of like the plants. I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate all the plants that we have and I have an interest in them. And we've gone from buying and caring for indoor plants to now uh, trying to grow our own food in, in a garden. So we set that up this last spring. And we knew that going into a garden that it wasn't going to be like a, a set it and ver forget it type of venture. Like we're going to have to constantly care for this garden. So my wife, multiple times a day, will check on our garden to check on the snap peas and she'll mound the potatoes and make sure that it's watered, which hasn't really been hard over the last couple of weeks. And she will go, you know, and make sure that there's no weeds and you have to pull the weeds. And weeds are the absolute worst. I mean, you have to intentionally grow the, the plants and the food that you're trying to grow. Like that's hard work. But weeds man, they're just like uninvited. They just come up out of nowhere and you, and you got to get rid of them because if you don't get rid of them, they will compete with your plants. They'll compete for the nutrients in the soil. They'll compete for the sunlight and the water. Uh, they'll, com they'll compete for space. And so if you don't uh, get these weeds out, they will choke out and kill what you want to grow in your garden. 
Now, I'm sure when you decided to engage with church today, you didn't come to learn about gardening. If you did, that's weird. Okay, but I'm sure you didn't come to learn about gardening. But the reason why I'm talking about weeds is because Jesus talked about weeds. And just like there's weeds that can grow and they can choke out and kill things in your garden, there are things that can grow and choke out and kill the things that you want to grow in your life. And you do want to grow things in your life. The Apostle Paul, he was writing to a church uh, that was in uh, an ancient place called Galatia. And he was writing about some of these things that we want to grow in our life. And whether you're a Christian, whether you're not, this is just true. These are things, regardless of your worldview, regardless of your allegiance, regardless of, uh, of who you put your faith in, these are things that we want in our life to grow. And so I'm going to read it to you. He says this in Galatians chapter 5. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a great list. My guess is you want to grow those in your life because I want to grow those in my life. And so on the one hand, while there's things that we want to grow in our life, on the other hand, there's this problem. The problem is that there's weeds that often can grow in our heart alongside of those things that we want to grow in our life that choke out the realization of those good things that we want to grow. And those weeds that come up in our life, man, you don't have to work to grow them. They just come, but you do have to work to get rid of them. Because those weeds in our heart and in our life, they compete with the good things that we want to grow. And the insidious thing is this. You know, we tend to notice weeds in our garden. We intend, uh, we often will notice weeds in, in parks, especially this year, right? We notice weeds on our lawns, but we don't tend to notice the weeds that are growing in our life. I mean, it's one thing to see a patch of dandelions in your backyard and just go douse it with a roundup, right? It's a totally other thing to confront the invisible weeds in your life that are choking you from the good things that God has for you. Today, we're going to spend a lot of time in Mark chapter 4. Uh, the book of Mark is in the New Testament. Um, it's one of the four Gospels that make up the New Testament. And Gospel really just means um, it's the good news of Jesus that you, you can have a relationship with God. You can be forgiven by God, not through your own goodness, but because Jesus is so good. That if you put your faith in him and not yourself, not in your own ability to do good, but if you could put your faith in Jesus, that you can have a relationship and a freedom to have a relationship with God. That's the good news. And so Mark is in one of those books that talks about that. And so in the story we're about to read, uh, Jesus has this large gathering around him, as he often did, because people were, uh, they just loved his teaching. They were so engaged with what he had to say. And because he's performing miracles and people were hearing about it, and so they're kind of flocking to him. So there's all these people around Jesus, and Jesus tells this parable. And so I want to read it to you. It's found in Mark chapter 4. It's about 20 verses, so just stick with me, okay? This is really good. This is what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. 
The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said this, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seed and some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear uh, grain. Still others fell on good soil, and they came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. Jesus said to him, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed sown along the path where the, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, word and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seen, seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus is talking about these four different types of people and kind of relating their lives to soil, good soil and bad soil. And so the soil really just is the condition of our heart, our readiness to receive God's word, our readiness to receive the gospel, to accept it and to grow in it. And so the first person is uh, like seed sown on a rocky path, or sorry, on a, on a well-trodden path, meaning it's so compact, there's really nothing that can grow on there. The second group of people are seed sown in rocky places. You know, I have, a, I have a brick patio in my backyard, and weeds actually will tend to grow up in between the bricks, but it's so satisfying because you can just come and you can just like, pick the weeds and this something happens when you pick it. It's just amazing. I love it anyway. Um, but, but it has no root. And so as soon as I come and touch it, it like, it's just so easy, right? It's a, it's that person who can receive God's word, but as soon as trouble comes, they just, they just can't stay with it. They're, they're unfaithful to it and they fall away. The third group of people, which a lot of us are at, are like people sown, uh, like the, like seeds sown among uh, weeds or thorns, where we want to grow, but there's just things in our life, these worries of life that just come and they choke out what God wants to do in us. And the fourth group of people are people who have good soil. They hear God's word, they accept it, and they grow in it. And so Jesus is kind of saying that your spiritual life, it comes down to the soil. It comes down to the condition of your heart. You know, earlier um, this year when I was building this garden, we had this time to fill it with dirt. Uh, my wife wanted to get some really like premium dirt from a garden center. I just wanted to fill the garden with like the leftover dirt from a project in my backyard that I excavated, you know, a little bit earlier. I just kind of wanted to move dirt because it'd be cheaper and easier to get rid of stuff. But, but I was wrong. I was wrong. You need good soil to grow the good things that you want to eat. And likewise, you need good soil to grow the good things in your life. And so Jesus lists three sort of weeds in our life that can choke out our spiritual life. He says, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, and the worries of this life. And it seems as if we have a lot to be worried about lately. 
It seems as if this season has taken a lot from us, every one of us. We've all experienced loss in this season, and we're all in a sort of mourning. You know, maybe you're mourning the loss of your holidays, you know, that you spent so long to try to, try to plan. You know, maybe you're just sort of mourning the loss of the freedom just to come and go and to be the way that you want to be. Maybe you're mourning church life and, and what church is now and, and it's not the way that it used to be and maybe you haven't like been with or worshipped with your friends for like three or four months and, and I mean that's, that's worth mourning. Maybe you're mourning the loss of uh, your job or maybe you're mourning the loss of your business or I don't know what it is but we're all in the sort of mourning the way that life used to be and we're mourning our new normal. And it compounds further because Yes, we think about the things that we've lost, but even more than that, we're so worried about what we might lose. We're so worried about what the future might bring. I was watching Lost just this week with my wife, and there's this character on the show named Desmond. And uh, he sort of has these flash forward moments where he can see into the future briefly. He has these glimpses. And so I turned to my wife and I said, if you could, uh, would you want to see 10 years into the future? And she thought about it for a moment and she said, no. I said, why? She said, because I'm afraid of what I might see. I'm afraid. Said, I'm afraid of what I might lose. And so many people are just afraid of what you might lose. And the fear that we have of what we might lose in the future, it smothers this truth that God is for you. The fear of what we might lose one day, it robs us of the peace that God offers you today. And so it's a skill, it's, it's a spiritual muscle that we need to develop in our life to have the appropriate response for the moment that we're in right now. It's not right to mourn when we ought to laugh, and it's not right to laugh when we ought to mourn, but right now we're confused about what we ought to be living and how we ought to be thinking about all of these changes that happen so quickly. In the Old Testament, there's this passage, and you might be familiar with it. If not, if not I'm going to read it to you, but it's written by what the Bible heralds as the wisest man to ever live. His name is Solomon. And he talks a little bit about this. And so he says these words. He says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time to weep and to mourn. With that loss that you've experienced in your life, that's not something that you just need to rush through. That's going to stunt your emotional and that's going to stunt your spiritual growth. These are appropriate responses built into how we are to operate as humans. But likewise, there is time to, as, as Solomon said, laugh and dance and experience joy. And so many people have a hard time pre-COVID being able to do that, but especially now. We need to have this skill to understand how we are to respond in the moment that we are in. And all this to say that loss impacts us all deeply. It really does. And loss isn't something that you're just supposed to suck up and just move on immediately. Um, 
loss is real. It's a deep part of every human experience, and it's part of what it means to be human. But how we process loss matters. How we process loss, it really matters because loss can be this destructive weed in our life that chokes out the present and the future good that God has for you if you don't process loss properly. Because loss leads to more loss. Loss compounds. You can lose your summer vacation, but if you're not careful, your attitude about that can cause you to lose your entire summer. You can uh, feel loss in regards to church and church life and how you're having a hard time meeting in person. You can experience that. However, if you're not careful, you can let that lead to future loss of, of the joy and your peace and your hope that God has given you. And you can lose way more than you bargained for if you're not careful. You can lose your business and you put all of you and yourself into that business, but now you feel like you're losing you because your identity was wrapped up in what you did. Loss can lead to more loss. And so how you process loss matters because loss compounds. And the universal human experience of loss is something that we all deal with to differing degrees of intensity, no doubt. But if we're not careful, loss can turn from something that hurts to something that destroys, that destroys the good things that both you and God want to grow in your life. So the question is, how do I take stock of the things that I have lost? And how do I take the fears of the things that, that I think I might lose and process those properly? And that's, that's a difficult question to answer. And for many people, that's going to be a long journey of professional help in the, in the form of counseling or psychology to understand the damage uh, and destructive nature that many of us has experienced through loss. However, Jesus also gives us a way forward in Mark 4, because we're people who want to move from the third type of soil to the fourth, right? We want to move from being seed sown among rocky places or thorns to, to seed that, that lands on good soil, right? It's all about the condition of our heart. And that's a good thing because you don't have control over everything that you lose. And the last four months, they've taught us that time and time again. But you do have control over the condition of your heart. You get to decide that. Again, Solomon, he said this in a book called Proverbs, and it's so important for us to understand what it looks like to process loss well. And he says these words in Proverbs 4. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. In other words, no matter what life throws at you, what you need to prioritize is to keep your heart healthy. No matter what, you got to guard your heart because everything that you say and everything that you do, it flows from your heart. And so I was looking up, well, what does it mean to guard your heart? And, and, I, and I found that the word guard in its original language in, in Hebrew, which is written in, actually also means to keep. You could use those words uh, interchangeably to keep watch over your heart. I envisioned when I, when I read that, my wife keeping watch over our garden. I mean, just constantly going and making sure things were healthy, that things that weren't supposed to be there were pulled out quickly so it didn't choke out the good things that she was trying to grow in her garden. To keep your heart and to keep watch over your heart and to guard it means that you're constantly asking yourself, is my heart healthy? 
Am I growing the things in my life that ought to be there? And am I weeding out the things that ought not to be? The Bible gives us some additional instruction here. And I want to go back to what Solomon says and how he expands this idea. So he says this, he says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And then he tells us how to guard our heart. He says, avoid perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So he says, guard your heart, keep watch over it. And he says, here's how. First thing he says is avoid perverse talk. Meaning pay attention to what you say. Your words are powerful. James says this in chapter three, verse three through six. He, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large, they're driven by strong winds. They're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot goes. Check this out. This is like super intense. He goes, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself uh, set on fire by hell. You want to make the conditions of your heart better? Watch what you say. Because your words and your heart, they are linked. So as it relates to your loss, are you always talking about what you've lost and how bad things are and how hard life is? Now we're allowed and we need an outlet or a safe place to to say those things from time to time, but too much and it's going to poison your outlook. It's going to poison your hope. So Solomon says the first way to guard your heart is to watch what you say. But then he continues. He says, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Meaning, yeah, Pay attention to what you say, but also pay attention to what you're looking at. Are you so concerned with what might be, with trying to predict the future and trying to avoid future loss that is drawing so much of your attention and absorbing so much of your mental and emotional energy that you're unable to experience what God is doing in your life now and it smothers your joy and it smothers your peace now. And the good things that God wants to grow in your life, they're being choked out by where you're looking, by, by, the, by the future worry of loss. So where you're looking in your life right now matters. So you, you pay attention to what you say. You pay attention to what you're looking at. But then he also says this. He says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Don't get sidetracked. Meaning, pay attention to where you're going. Right now, your life is on a trajectory and it's going to lead to the future version of you. And you get to decide what the future version of you looks like. Are you going to remain a person whose growth is choked out by the weeds of life? Or are you becoming a person who has good soil? Where is the loss that you've experienced? Where is it leading you? Is it leading you closer to God? Or is it pulling you away from God? You need to pay attention to the trajectory of your life. And so Solomon gives us three great ways to guard our heart. Number one, pay attention to what you say. Number two, pay attention to what you're looking at. And lastly, pay attention to where you're going. I want to end on one last thought. And 
uh, it's something that Jesus said, and it's been just buzzing constantly around my head and my heart this past week. And so Jesus says this in Mark 8. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower. So if you're watching this, I'm going to ask you this. If any of you want to be a follower of Jesus, this is for you. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Sometimes the weeds in your life are the things that you're afraid of losing. But sometimes the weed in your life are the things that you're not willing to lose because we choke out what God wants to do in and through us because we aren't willing to give up our own ways and our own desires and our own dreams and our own goals. We're not willing to do that. And Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, it's inevitable. You're going to lose it because you're chasing a version of your life that is a second-rate version of your life because I have such a better version for you. And if you continue to chase after the version of your life that you want, you very well might lose the thing that is most important to you, and that is your own soul. Giving up your ways for God's ways, it sets our heart in the right condition and the things that we desperately want in our life right? The, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these good things that we want to grow in our life, we can grow because our soil isn't poisoned by, by pride or selfishness. And so today, if you want to do that, if you want to begin to learn what it means to follow Jesus, and if you want to give up your way and follow the way that Jesus has for you and find life, not hang on to a second-rate version, but find life that God has created and purposed you for. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask if you would just pray in the quietness of your own heart along with me. Let's do that. Jesus, I thank you for your word, um, how helpful it is in our life. But beyond, beyond that, Lord, just that it points us to you. Lord, and your word says that you came to bring us life and life in its fullness. And Lord, I want that. And I know that everybody listening right now, they want that in their life. They want the fullness of life. And so Lord, you said that if we give up our life for your sake, that we would find it. And so I, I ask, Lord, for each person who's considering and praying this along right now, Lord, that you would begin to speak to them directly, that they are loved and they are known by you. Lord, that if they believe upon you and you alone, that they could find freedom and forgiveness and new life, the life that you have for them. Lord, I don't want anybody to gain the world and, and lose their soul. And Lord, that's your heart. And so Lord, I pray right now for my friends listening, that they would find life in you. We pray this in your name. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking time to tune in to this week's podcast. If you're in the Edmonton area, we would love to meet you in person. Consider this your open invitation to coming and being a part of the family. We'd love to get to know you face to face because that is where life change happens. Have a great day.